He was runner-up to Les Nessman for the Buckeye Newshawk Award. Welcome to the Jim Day Podcast. And hi again, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of the Jim Day Podcast. We are so happy that you have joined us and decided us decided to give us a little click on the internets, as they say, on your phone, your tablet, computer, however you're listening. And we appreciate it. And we're uh, getting some listens all over the world. Believe it or not, this podcast is somehow big in Germany. Now, go figure. There's little if no promotion of this podcast and certainly not in Germany but if you are in Germany right now or listening around the world please get in contact we would love to hear why you are interested in the Jim Day podcast and we're so thankful for it Uh, so hit me up best way is probably on social media on Twitter and Instagram I'm at Jim Day TV and we'd love to hear from you if you're listening on Apple products, we would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review those ratings, and those five-star ratings will go a long way, and many of you have chimed in with some reviews, and I read them all, and I'm very appreciative of the feedback and the support of this podcast. We roll on, and we have a very unique episode here today. As we told you, this podcast is going to evolve, and we really have no idea who's going to come along, who's going to be on our path, and how we're going to bring it to you. Today's a, a little unique in that I, of course, when I wrote down a list of people across baseball, I mean, this is a Reds-themed podcast, but baseball as well. I mean, Bob Euchre was on the list, and he was one of those, you know, the dream gets, if you will. Now, I was able to land the guy they call Mr. Baseball. Um, but it it took a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say prodding, but Marty Brenneman helped out along the way because I said, if hey, can you do, in Marty's final season, can you sit down and just have a little conversation between you and Marty and myself? And he agreed to. Now, the only catch was it came on a day in which there was a lot going on. There was a Marty party that day. The Brewers gave Marty a pregame party, which was well-deserved. And he's a busy guy anyway. So we got, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes out of him. And so I can, I'll take what I can get. And you're going to hear that conversation coming up. And you're also going to hear from Scooter Jeanette, who will make his return to the Jim Day podcast. And he, the former Brewer, will give his thoughts on what it's like to play on a team broadcast by the Hall of Famer, Bob Euchre. Now, if you are a baseball fan, you know the name, Bob Euchre. I first heard and knew of Bob Euchre as a kid, and it came on the Tonight Show. After his playing career, a very modest playing career. In fact, Bob has made a career out of making fun of himself and his career. It was six years in the major leagues, a career batting average of 200, 14 home runs, 74 RBIs as a catcher, but many funny stories to go along with it. Funny guy. And Johnny Carson found that out very, very early. The Tonight Show, now you and the younger generation, you, you know, you might not know The Tonight Show as much as those from my generation are close to it. 
But back in the day, and especially when Euchre started, first started appearing on The Tonight Show, if you were on The Tonight Show, you had made it. It was the place to be for entertainment or anything in society. Johnny Carson, the Johnny Carson Show, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was it. If you were on there, you made it. Let alone be a guest over 100 times. That's what happened to Bob Euchre. Over 100 times, Johnny Carson asked him back. And Carson, he had his favorites. I mean, he brought back the guys he liked over and over. The ones that appeared that many times, Johnny had to love you as a guest. And boy, did he love Bob Euchre. And Euchre delivered every time on The Tonight Show. Uh, he's the voice of the Milwaukee Brewers. He's a frequent commentator on nationally televised games. And since the baseball players are on strike, maybe he can kind of fill us in on what's happening. Would you welcome Bob Euchre, Mr. Baseball? Some people are outraged that there's a strike. As you know, some people couldn't care less. Uh, some people are angry at the players. Some people are angry at the owners. The fans are up in arms. What is going on? How is it affecting you? You're not telecasting, obviously. No, not broadcasting or telecasting, John. And uh, it's given me a chance. Uh, the strike's been on a couple of weeks now. Right. And it's given me a chance to fulfill my Army duty. I went AWOL. <laughs> in, uh, 1956. 56. And uh, I kind of thought this thing would be on for a little while, so I thought, why not get it out of the way? So I went to uh, Camp McCoy, Wisconsin, a place about uh, right. 140 miles outside of Milwaukee, and uh, kind of turned myself in, I guess is what it boils down sure. to. And uh, after going over the records and everything, they found <laughs> out I had 14 days leave coming, so... Uh, <laughs> You enabled me uh, to come out here and do the show. I left. Uh, I left right when we were into uh, grenade throwing. I had been a uh, permanent latrine orderly when I joined the service, and uh, it was a sergeant uh, inspecting the latrine one day that came and told me uh, that he thought I had a chance to play major league baseball. Right. And uh, uh, from there, of course, it's a uh, Cinderella story. That's right. That's right. That's right. To spring training, Johnny, uh, uh, another week. If uh, you had to go to spring training right now, how long would it take you uh, to get in shape? I, I would know be uh, this year, but I mean, basically. When I was playing? Yeah. Right now, no, I, I tell you what, right now I would be to the point because you don't want to peak, you know, like too early in spring training. <laughs> of course. So, like when I would go, like right now, another week to go, I would be at a point where maybe uh, I could run maybe a block without stopping. <laughs> and uh, maybe I could do. You know, easy, real bam, 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 maybe four sit-ups. Consecutive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bang, right yeah. in a row, not stopping. I understand. And uh, then, like, at the end of spring training, like the final day, when we're ready to break camp, right. like I could run, uh, like, say if I was on base. Right. And the guy behind me had a home run. Like, I could score without stopping. I mean, <laughs> maybe do ten sit-ups, right in there, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, a lot of guys peak too early. I never That's used to right. do that. You know? It's good to, good to know your limits. Same thing with announcing now, you know. No, how about that? You don't have to, uh, don't Strike you? Strike three! I, I work on that once in a while. I'll do that. Uh, you practice that? that. Oh, yeah, I walked down the street once. He got him! You know, people... <laughs> uh, 
But you gotta... You because gotta you have to create in the booth that, that feeling. Exactly. That... You can't just go to spring training and start. You know, you gotta be... Uh, you know, I do. You sit in the bar once. He called him out. You know, <laughs> strike three called. You know, you got yeah. you got to get in there. You know, and the, gotta... a lot of the guys used to say he came to play, or he he's an all around. I do that. Player. Yeah, he, he came to play. He came, he to, came play. to play. What the guy comes to the park liquored up. He came to play. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you got to play. You can't. You, a lot of guys play straight. That's easy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Tough to play when you're really in the bag. I suppose. Uh, well, you don't remember a lot of bad days. That's what I like to do. <laughs> So after becoming the Brewers broadcaster in 1971, after that modest playing career and his appearances on The Tonight Show, all of a sudden here come the Miller Lite commercials. Miller Brewing Company, obviously a Milwaukee staple. And these Miller Lite commercials back in the day, you have to... You've got to Google them if, if you don't remember them or if you're of the younger generation. At the time, they were a cultural phenomenon. miller like commercials. Tastes great, less filling. Well, Euchre had one that might have been the most famous of them all. Of course, must be in the front row. You know, one of the best things about being an ex-big leaguer is getting freebies to the game. Call the front office, bingo. And once these fans recognize me, I probably won't even have to pay for my life here from Miller. Down it! <laughs> I love them. These fans know I drink light because it's less filling and it tastes great. Good seats, huh? You're in the wrong shape, buddy. Come on. Oh, I must be in the front come on, row. Come on, come on. Light beer from Miller. Everything you always wanted in a beer and less. Good seats, hey, buddy. He missed the tag. He missed the tag. Those Miller light commercials bring back great memories. They were so popular, and there were so many sports figures that appeared on those commercials. And Euchre was on a few of them, on many of them. And that one you just heard, the most famous of which. So it was The Tonight Show, the Miller Lite commercials, and then all of a sudden, he's an actor on a sitcom called Mr. Belvedere, who had a pretty good run of it. So Bob Euchre, the former Major League Baseball player, Bob Euchre, the actor, the Tonight Show guest, the comedian, and, indeed, acting showed up again. And perhaps the most famous of all, the movie Major League. The iconic character of announcer Harry Doyle. Just a bit outside. There are so many one-liners from that movie. And in fact, we talk about shooting that movie with Charlie Sheen and company, with Bob Euchre, Mr. Baseball, the National Baseball Broadcast Hall of Famer, Bob Euchre, as I sat down for a quick conversation with the Euch and another Hall of Famer, our own Marty Brenneman. Bob Euchre, <clears throat> are you as glad as everyone else that this guy's retiring? Well, be careful now. No, I know. I just found out today. I had no idea. I was down in the field a couple of minutes ago, and somebody asked me something about Marty. And I said, I saw the movie, um, and I liked, I liked him better in From Here to Eternity. 
That's Ernest Borgnine. I know. That's who I thought they were celebrating a birthday. Oh, I see. When they said Marty, he was in that movie. Yeah, he was. And then I find out that you're retiring. Yeah, how about that? Uh, It's the first time anybody's ever confused me with Ernest Borgnine. No, I'm not. No, I I wasn't confusing you. We've got to straighten this out right away. I thought they were celebrating Ernie Borgnine's oh, birthday, birthday today. Yes. <laughs> He's dead, isn't he? Yes, he is. Uh, so is Walter Brennan, who was celebrating. You also year. did yeah, that, too. Yeah, I did that a couple years ago at your yeah. in Cincinnati. Did you hear that story? <laughs> no. Tell him a story. Well, uh, a couple years ago, you were having your winter season dinner, I guess it was, something. I don't well, know. It was, it was, it was during the off-season, and Marty was being honored. So I did a little thing about... Uh, Walter Brennan. I, I went on on the video and I said, first of all, as I start, uh, I thought you were dead, but <laughs> evidently you're still going strong. And uh, so to you uh, tonight at this huge dinner in front of all your fans in Cincinnati, to you, Walter Brennan, um, gosh, good luck. And then I... And then somebody told you yeah, off camera. No, it's not Walter Brennan. It's Marty Brenneman. I said, oh, geez. Oh, we'll leave that on there, and I'll, I'll start over. Uh, we, <laughs> and he called me. He called me. <laughs> you damn right I called him. <laughs> How cool is it to roll under Milwaukee or him coming to Cincinnati and seeing this guy? That Well, I, I got to be honest with you. We played golf together, and that's another story uh, completely different from this deal here. Um, I, I've told people a million times, you know, I – He's as funny off the air as he is on the air, and everything is spontaneous. And you don't know what's coming out of his mouth. And now it's reached a point now where people think that there's some measure of senility that's set in with him. And so they just blow him off as being an old man that, that, you know, is saying stuff that has no relevance to anything. Well, you're really getting up there. Senility, what does that mean? Senility, yeah. Yeah, He uses words on the air that I'm like, I'm not worthy. Well, a couple years ago, Marty and I play with these uh, two Jewish guys in Cincinnati. They're Correct. great friends of ours. They are. Uh, so a couple of years back, I had our clubhouse guy take a baseball cap, a brewer cap, and I cut the bill off of it. And I took it out to the golf course, to the Oasis. That's and correct. Um, Marty and our two friends were teeing off, and I went into my golf bag, and I pulled out this cap that I had cut the bill off and it looked like a yamulka. and uh, when they got done hitting I went up to the tee box and hit my shot and we all started laughing really bad because they didn't they didn't see the, they didn't no, see it as no funny constraints, huh? <laughs> they, they didn't see it as funny or they oh, oh yeah oh, oh, oh yeah, they yeah, loved it all oh, good right. oh yeah That's no I signed oh, it my God. Yeah, they <laughs> thought it was the funniest thing they've ever seen yeah no I no We've been friends for a long, long time, and the the one thing that I I appreciate probably as much as anything is the fact that Marty never saw me play; that he didn't have to call a game that I played in. Uh, that that's always tops for me. That's one of the regrets I'm going to have when I do my last game was the fact that I didn't see him try to catch Phil Necro's knuckleball, and and then the great utterance of all time when the question was asked, "How do you catch it?" And he said, "I when it stops rolling, I pick it, pick it up." Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> one of the great lines of all what's, time. What's a problem? <laughs> Well, you would have been all over him if he was if you oh, caught his what? game. I would have killed him on the air. 
I, 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 it had been no holes oh, for me. Watching back there trying to box those pitches. <laughs> and, although I saw other guys, it, it was not good. Bob Didier may have been the only one that could have really. <laughs> I still have extent. the record for pass balls, 27. No. I'm very proud. One in, in one year? Yeah, one year. Yeah, that's great. As a, a member of the Braves? Yes. Uh, that's when Phil became a starter. 27? 27 pass balls, yeah. I mean, a lot of them were there was no game that day, but they charged me anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you had also said you had slumps that carried into the winter, right? Oh, I'm telling you. I'm still in one right now. <laughs> well, let me tell you this story. Yeah. Now, we're, the club is training in Sarasota. <laughs> And the announcement comes that he's been named the winner of the Ford Frick Award. So I'm driving to the ballpark in Sarasota, and it's a time of day when I know he's going to be up and around, so I call him on the phone. And I said, uh, what time's the news conference? And he said, what news conference? I said, we all have to go through this. He said, I'm not going through any news conference. I said, are you at home? He said, no, I'm on the golf course. He said, if there's going to be a news conference, it's going to be out here. That's yeah. yeah. And that's where it was, that's wasn't it? Was. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, people, the, 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 some of the speeches are like they go on and on. And this on. was number one. Yeah. I, everyone was looking forward to your speech. How often do you hear about your speech? Well, you know what? I'll tell you what happened with that. I was doing um, uh, an appearance in Chicago at the uh, Museum of Natural History for one of our owners. And uh, Jeff Idelson, who mm-hmm. at that time was – running the Hall of Fame, and he was there. And uh, they had the traveling Hall of Fame show at the museum. So when I finished and the dinner was over, Jeff came up and told me that I was the winner next year. Uh, Nobody else knew it. And he told me then that I had won the award. And he said, we want you to talk. Can you do what you did tonight? And he said, I, I asked him, how much time do I have? He said, about seven minutes. I said, no, I can't. I, I do have to have, you know, a little more time. If you want me to do what I did tonight, um, I need at least 15 to 20 minutes to yeah. do that. So he said, all right. Well, when I got there and, you know, I'm up there and all the guys are behind me and, and they're laughing pretty good. <laughs> we were having a good time. And they kept hollering at me to keep going, keep going. And I, I was getting a kick myself because – George Bush Sr. was sitting out in front of me, right. uh, in front of all of us, and was really laughing. I mean, it was really, really fun. And I, I really had a good time and telling stories that I do. At that time, you know, I was doing a lot of uh, appearance stuff, club work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was doing it all the time. But the more, the more I could make fun of myself, uh, the better it is. Um, where I, I think... I think the message I try to convey is if you got a kid that has no no chance at all to play anything uh, outside of with himself, um, you have a chance to make it in baseball in the major leagues. When people look at me and say, if he made it, our kid's got a chance, man. That's, that's kind of... Your whole, your whole Hall of Fame speech, it should be pointed out, was all spontaneous. Yeah. I uh, did not have a lot of ability as a kid. My dad wanted me to have everything that everybody else had. I think the first thing that he ever bought me was a football. And I was very young, and uh, he didn't know a lot about it. He came from the old country. And, uh, I mean, we tried to pass it and throw it and kick it, and we couldn't do it, and it was very discouraging for him and for me. 
and uh, almost we almost quit and and finally we had a a nice enough neighbor came over and put some air in it and what a what a difference but um, during every player's career there comes a time when you know that your services are no longer required that you might be moving on traded sold released whatever it may be and having been with four clubs I picked up a few of these tips I remember Gene Mock doing things to me at Philadelphia. I'd be sitting there and he'd say, uh, grab a bat and stop this rally. Uh, send me up there without a bat and tell me to try for a walk. But my two boys are just like me in their championship little league game. One of them struck out three times, and the other one had an error, allowed the winning run to score. They lost the championship, and I couldn't have been more proud. I remember the people as we walked through the parking lot throwing eggs and rotten stuff at our car. What a beautiful day. The 1964 World's Championship team, the great Lou Brock. And I remember as we got down near World Series time, Bing Devine, who was the Cardinals general manager at that time, asked me if I would do him and the Cardinals in general a favor. And I said I would. And he said, we'd like to inject you with hepatitis. <laughs> We need to bring an infielder up. And I said, will I be able to sit on the bench? He said, yes. We'll build a plastic cubicle for you because it is an infectious disease. And I've got to, I've got to tell you this. I have a photo at home. I turned a beautiful color yellow. And with that cardinal white uniform, I was knocked out. It was beautiful, wasn't it, Lou? It was great. I don't know. I, wow. I'm not bragging or anything, but I, you know, weird stuff comes to my mind where I can talk, you know, yeah. and, and make fun, really make fun. Um, how much did, this is a serious question yeah. now, how much did repeated appearances with Johnny Carson help you with that type of stuff? At over 100, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, you know, you know what's really funny about it, Marty? Um, I had already started doing Tonight Show's in 1969 before they moved to from Burbank. New York. Right. The, the problematic thing for me was doing play-by-play -play because I had never done anything like that. And going on the air, doing play-by-play -play was much tougher for me than the Tonight Shows or any of that other stuff that I did. I, I kept thinking in the back of my mind, what are my friends Think, guys in Milwaukee, right? I grew, I grew up here, yeah. born and raised here. What are those guys thinking about me? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm doing play-by-play -play <laughs> for a big league team. What are they thinking about me? And the first time, and Marty knows these two guys. I'm sure you do too. Uh, one of them, anyway, Merle Harmon, and the other guy was Tom Collins. When I was with them, I was comfortable. I only did one inning. I did the fifth. And when I was with them, I was comfortable because I could talk to them. 
in Yankee Stadium, they left me for my first solo broadcast. And I begged them. I begged them to come back, and they wouldn't come back. You know, they wanted me to do it by myself where yeah. I had to really do it. And the engineer, I'll never forget this, he told me I should get started because there's one out. And I hadn't said anything yet. I got my cough button down, and I'm begging them guys to come back. But they, they didn't come back. And I that was my first time, you know, ever going solo. Right. Doing play-by-play. Wow. Well, the, it's obviously turned out very well for you. The spontaneity that you talk about, uh, you're known for so many things. So one of them is the movie Major League, <laughs> the character of Harry Doyle. How much did they let you – did you make up some of your lines? Were they all written? No, I I did pretty much whatever I wanted. That's what I thought. Which is there was I had a script and I had it on the floor, uh, where I could see what the next scene was going to be, and David Ward and uh, Chris Chesser were the director and producer. They wrote good stuff too. There was good stuff in there yeah. that that I read and used that they wrote, but they told me to just be this guy, right? Be Harry Doyle, and. I mean, with Pete Vukovic talking about his nose hairs when he sneezed. I did that to him when we were in the clubhouse. You know, when he sneezed, they said he looked like a party favor because his <laughs> nose hairs would fly out and go back up. Um, well, that movie's like, quoted. They quote you. I mean, Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> well, the pit, anybody would say this. The ball that Charlie Sheen threw yeah. that was way outside, the thing people have to remember is I was on radio. But they're looking at a movie, right? Right. So I say on the radio, nobody can see it, right? Just a bit outside. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Ball four. Ball eight. Low and Vaughn has walked the bases loaded on 12 straight pitches. Boy, how can these guys lay off pitches that close? All of that stuff... When, when I did it, again, I had the chance to look at the script on the floor and then do the scene. But I, I, I'll say this. Uh, my first night, when I, we got back off of a road trip, and it was late. And the team uh, or the movie was being shot at County Stadium, right. right? So they were all out there shooting, and I came here to do some of my stuff. And they asked me to go into uh, Charlie Sheen's trailer to say hello to him. So I did. And hung around in there for about a half an hour. When he came out and I watched him throw, he threw pretty good. He really did. He impressed me. I mean, for a, for a guy who's an actor, he threw the ball 84, 85 miles an hour. Yeah. Coming out of the trailer. Right. I thought that was pretty impressive. Absolutely. No, some, of, some of your lines are just great. <laughs> ball four. Ball eight. Yeah, all that that stuff was on there. They wrote okay. that. Yeah, ball eight, ball nine. Yeah. Now, <laughs> when you go around, do you hear more of the lines from Major League or the Miller Lite commercials? Must be in the front row. Yeah, that that's pretty much that's a good one. That was a good one. I mean, it was all you know braggadocio stuff. Yeah. Um, and these fans, I love them. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, when I got locked out of the bar, when I'm bragging about you yeah. know all the people, and then I go pull the door and it's locked. <laughs> Uh, all of that stuff was, you know, it was perfect, the front row thing, because, oh, I must be in the front row, and then I end up in the upper deck. He missed the tag. Exactly. He missed the tag. <laughs> I can see the tag from in the upper deck. Uh, but all of that stuff, WrestleMania. Oh, you're in the stuff. WWE Hall of Fame. You got choked by Andre the Giant. That was great. You hosted <laughs> SNL. I mean, 
it's unbelievable. It is. It, it really no, is. There's no question about that. <laughs> but I don't. You know, this is always number one, though. Baseball. Yeah. Oh uh, uh, yeah. I mean, even forgot Mr. Belvedere. I did Belvedere gracious. for six years. How could I forget? But each Mr. Belvedere? each each year, I couldn't wait to get to spring training. Honestly, and that, nothing bad about the show. The show lasted six years. That's a pretty good run. Oh yeah. And good people. Uh, had a lot of fun doing that. But I couldn't wait to get back to baseball every year. And and that goes for everything else. Yeah. I mean. The Tonight Shows, I would leave here after a game sometimes, fly out there. We played a day game. Sunday, I'd leave here, do the Tonight Show on Monday night, and then take a red eye back here and do the game the next day. I did that a lot of times. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But it was fun. I mean, Johnny, I, I couldn't ask for anything better. I mean, from I, I, I never cared about promoting yeah. movies or anything. Well, I didn't have at, anything. He was great at putting it on the tee for you, oh, too. Oh, yeah. He, I mean... We never, after about the 20th show, we never used a script yeah. anymore. It was all, and he couldn't make me laugh. Right. And he would only have guys on that many times that he really, really liked, because he was very critical of it. He never, guests. I never got knocked off a show. He always, that is great. He always kept me on. And, and that, we got to be re- really good friends. I mean, as friendly as you can be when you're not there all the time, when you don't live in California. Yeah. Well, we got to be very good friends. Well, I could sit here all day, but I know you guys, uh, we've got to go to a Marty party. Oh, good. Yeah, we got one next door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. Everything's good. But uh, I'm going to miss not seeing him. Yeah. I am too. I told, I, I'm, I, we've known each other such a long time, and I don't care who it is. When, when you leave the game, I'm, I'm happy for Marty, and I'm happy for Amanda. Um, but I, I know he's going to do some traveling. He's gonna he's gonna have a great time, but he'll he'll miss baseball. I just got a lesson. I, I let's see. Two days ago, I got a, a text from Ken Harrelson. He said, "You were right. This retirement is not as all not a, not a, not all that it's text to be." That's what he said. And he's a guy that's been around a long time too. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're all gonna miss it. I know that. But when you get to a certain time in your life, there are other things outside of what we do as as broadcasters and i here the other day sunday i get a call i'm on the team bus in arizona my phone rings it's johnny bench he's at cooperstown right and he said the guys wanted me to call you he said we're eating breakfast so i talked to him i talked to henry aaron ricky henderson joe torrey uh there are a couple other guys in wow. there too uh they called sunday morning bud selig um, so I, I, uh, I thought, you know, this is really good. I can't be there. And Robin Yon, I know, wasn't going to be there because he was sick. And I was thinking about all the guys on Sunday. I mean, it's a, it's a great place to be for that weekend, to be around all of those people and all the new guys yeah. that are going in. It's going to be a great weekend for them, and it was. I know that. But uh, Johnny Bench and I have been friends for a long, long, long time now. Um, I remember one of the first times he was catching in a game that I was catching in at Crosley Field, and he asked me what I was doing there. (laughs) 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 I'm with the other team. (laughs) That's fantastic. That's fantastic. We had a a great time. I I did. And and I'll miss Marty. I will. I will. I don't travel to Cincinnati all the time anymore, but we'll be in uh, touch. looking, Looking at him here. I, 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 I know I'll miss him. I will we'll be in touch. Bro. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, absolutely. Jim. Thank you. Ah, we appreciate Uke sitting down with us, with Marty Brenneman. And the only bad thing about that 
is, again, we had limited time, but Uke was just getting rolling. Even Marty said afterwards, like, man, he probably would have gone ripping for an hour right there. Um, but we had to cut it short. Who knows? Maybe someday down the road we'll get him back. So much to talk about. And his Hall of Fame speech, an all-timer. I mean, just the best. And it was off the top of his head, on the cuff. And, you know, a lot of his lines he's been using over and over through the years. But they're such good one-liners, though. I mean, you look up his quotes and, well, I mean, let's go through a couple of them. Um, Let's see here. I didn't get a lot of awards as a player, but they did have a Bob Euchre day off for me once in Philly. If a guy hits 300 every year, what does he have to look forward to? I always tried to stay around 190 with three or four RBIs, and I tried to get them all in September. That way I always had something to talk about during the winter. I had a grand slam off of Ron Herbal, and when his manager Herman Franks came to get him, he was bringing Herbal's suitcase. <laughs> I led the league and go get him next time. When I came to bat with three men on and two outs in the ninth, I looked in the other team's dugout and they were already in their street clothes. And the list goes on and on. We get to see Euchre when the Reds play the Brewers. He doesn't make every trip. He comes once in a while through Cincinnati nowadays. But usually always there when we go to Milwaukee. And always a treat to sit around the media dining table and particularly when him and Marty get going, it's uh, it's just a treat. So what's it like being a player on the Brewers and having Bob Euchre as your radio announcer? Scooter Jeanette knows all about that. All right, Scooter Jeanette, here we are in the Reds clubhouse. You spend a lot of time in the Brewers clubhouse with Bob Euchre as the announcer. What was it like being around Euchre as a player on the team that he broadcast for? Oh man, it was a uh, it was a blessing for sure. Um, I mean, before I was even drafted by the Brewers, you know, I knew about Bob Euchre, you know, the uh, major league movies, and then you know, just watching some of his old clips on uh, was it the Johnny Carson show? Yeah, um, and all his different suits. I mean, so I already had a good idea of you know who Bob Euchre was, and then I first met him at. Uh, at the Brewers Fan Fest, and we talked a little bit, and and you know he was he's obviously a busy man, especially at those type of events. Right. He's getting pulled left and right. But um, the first thing I realized about him that he was he's a genuine guy. You know, he spoke to me the same that he speak would speak to Ryan Braun or the manager or or right. you know a random fan. Um, you know, which I really respect about people, and that's the first thing I noticed about him. But but really, I mean, every time we would see him, we'd probably see him. Well, other than, you know, seeing him on the plane and stuff, but in the clubhouse probably 20 to 40 times a year, you know, out of those 80 days at home. And um, he was just a, a, man, a breath of fresh air, I guess. Yeah. You know, just light up the room every every time you saw him. Funny guy. Was he that way around you guys? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but not all the time. You know, he, he you know, he would want to have a conversation be a serious conversation but yeah i mean he just has that ability that unique ability to to put a smile on people's faces and 
you know, a lot of it is kind of beating himself up a little bit, you know, a little bit, a lot of it. Yeah. With, with us at least like, you know, he understood how bad, uh, hard the game was and how, how, um, you know, when things are going bad, that it's, it's a part of the game and, you know, he announces, you know, the calls the game and that, that same, same type of way, you know, to where, uh, you know, he gets it. He, he understands, you know, when that ball's hit hard, you know, with top spin that, that it's not a routine play, you know, even though it might look like it in slow motion or on TV, um, you know, when you've played and you've seen some balls hit hard like that, you realize uh, you can kind of put yourself in that person's shoes. And, and that's what we, you know, we love that about him. And all the players, you know, love that about him was, was uh, he got it and he, he realized how, how hard the game was. But, but yeah, I mean, whenever you're down, if he's noticed that you're down, he pick you up and, and try to make you feel good. And he had uh, good energy, great, great energy. And so whenever he would come in the clubhouse, it was always a, always a treat for us. Gosh, I have a couple. I mean, a couple stories. There was one. It was I think my last year over there in like fifteen or no sixteen, where he was saying that uh, it was going to be his last year, and um, and I think it was on like MLB Network or like an interview, and you know he thanks everybody, all the fans for the support and everything, and he's like, you know, I got a I got a job offer, um, you know, I got a job offer. Uh, they they're giving me a two three year deal to play to play ball in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a joke and it's like oh my gosh like my heart was like hurting like oh my gosh he's retiring and then he flips that around you know and it's just like you just never know with him and and that's what's amazing about him that he can you know if he doesn't have a whole lot to talk about he'll just come out with something like that from you know from left field just random random stuff what are other any other stories that come to mind about him um yeah, I mean a personal one. Like we were just having a conversation. We were talking in the in the kitchen after a game, and I had a rough game. And um, you know, he realized I was kind of down, and he comes up to me. And he's like, "Scoot." He's like, "Hey." He's like, "You know, you'll you'll get him tomorrow." He's like, "But I want to tell you a quick story." Uh, he said, "I I had the the largest Rawlings glove contract uh, in my day. Like the most money. It was ten thousand dollars." And I'm like, "Wow!" I'm like Bob, that's it's great, you know, kind of like, why, wh- what's he getting at? Or why would he just bring this up? Maybe make me feel more like crap, you know? He actually said, use Rowling's glove, right? Like, and then went into that. And I'm like, man, like, what's going on here? And he goes, yeah, because they, uh, they pay me 10 grand and never use their glove. <laughs> <laughs> and I just busted out laughing. He's like, hey, get him tomorrow and walked away. You know, and that's something that, like, I think he just completely made up on the spot there. Yeah. And and that's what's special about him. He, he cares, you know, and and he uses humor as a way to, to uplift people, and um, he's just an amazing guy. Well, I appreciate your insight and your return to the Gym Day podcast. Oh, this is the podcast? Yes. And I would have talked to uh, to, to my um, my agent, maybe some of the lawyers I know about this. All right. Good luck, Jim. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, little did Scooter Jeanette know at the time, that line that Euchre dropped on him about sporting good companies pay Euchre not to endorse their products. He has dropped that several times over the years. Many, many times. Might have dropped it in his Hall of Fame speech, too. I don't know. But still, a funny situation. And a good time for Euchre to drop that on Scooter Jeanette. Bob Euchre. One of a kind. I hope you've enjoyed 
our conversation with him and Marty Brenneman. I thank those two. I thank Scooter Jeanette for his time. But most of all, I thank you for once again checking out the Jim Day podcast. And again, we hope you'll go on and spread the word. Subscribe, rate, and review. And reach out to me on social media if you'd like to follow along with the updates on this podcast. At Jim Day TV is where you find me on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, thank you so much. We'll catch you on down the road on another edition of the Jim Day Podcast. <laughs>